shift a few things here. Um, I was told by a good friend, Chris, here that I needed more stickers um, <laughs> to show where I work and went to school and love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to thank Pastor Greg uh, and the church for allowing me the opportunity um, to speak to you guys today. Um, it is truly an honor uh, to be able to do so. <clears throat> uh, about, well, exactly a week ago, uh, we as a world experienced the yearly phenomenon called the New Year. Our calendars show that just over 2,000 of these we have celebrated, but of course history, science, literature, and your run-of-the-mill paleontologist would tell you that perhaps a few billion of these years have come and gone. Another annual celebration that comes along with the new year, or at least annual ritual, is the quest to begin anew in some way, to resolve to, to become something more or less, uh, to pursue something greater, at, to pursue uh, to become something greater um, than what had previously been practiced. Whether it is to become healthier or read more books or get better sleep or manage your money better, we often use the new year as a springboard to achieve newness in some way. For some, uh, a resolution for the new year comes in the form of either establishing or renewing their faith. Perhaps we return to a church or practice we used to experience or we take up an offer from a friend or family member uh, to attend a church they've been talking years about that they said would both be uplifting and fulfilling in all of the most important ways. The one thing about resolutions, though, in order for goals to be reached, there has to be action taken, a series of acts, sustainable acts, over a significant period of time. Oftentimes, months, even years, must be spent to achieve our desires, whatever the original goal was. I'm 52 years old. And 30 years ago, I was visiting my cousin's church on the south side of Chicago. I went because she loved her church, and she had been asking me to visit for quite some time. It was a large, beautiful, and predominantly black church that had all the bells and whistles. Large congregation, charismatic pastor, an elaborate choir and band, way too many deacons, <laughs> and women in every row of the pews wearing hats. On this day, there happened to be a call to the congregation for those who desire to be baptized in the name of the Lord. While I sat and watched others rise, a, suddenly a warm, compelling sensation completely took over my body and mind, and I stood up to be counted among God's children. Here at the house, when we quote the Bible, we like to show respect by standing, if you're willing and able. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You may be seated. When my baptism was done sometime later, I walked out of the church anew. I but I remember feeling no different than I had prior to entering the church. I still felt hungry, and I still had to get on a bus to get home. <laughs> I don't know what I expected, but I thought there would be something like perhaps maybe a visible glow surrounding me, or maybe I would float over the ground instead of walk, or if anything, electricity would spark from my fingertips, occasionally perhaps conveying a new power of some kind. Supposedly, I was new in the world, born again, and I was waiting for evidence of said newness. 
Come on, super speed. <laughs> what I found over time, however, was an ever-present perception of appreciation. And what I mean by over time was years. I started looking at my life and my experiences and marveling at the wonders I had encountered. I thought about my youth growing up in a single-parent home in a challenging neighborhood and enjoying the memories of my mother's love, the success I had in school, the joy I had playing basketball in both high school and in college, though my dribbling, shooting, and defense were average at best, if not downright mediocre. I noticed I could still laugh at hilarious things that happened years before, and I could be moved emotionally by music and movies, even if I hadn't heard or watched them in a while, just by their memory alone. Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears to this day stirs delightful nostalgia in my youth every time I hear it. And recently, I'm pretty sure I'll be laughing at this for the rest of my life, um, I could be stirred by something my wife said, where um, she's an alum of Michigan State. So of course, she's not a fan of anything Michigan, <laughs> University of Michigan. So of course, they're also in the national championship game, which happens on Monday. So while watching one of the games this year, she said, and I quote, Michigan's offense is so boring, it's like watching basketball play with only five centers. <laughs> um, at that time, again, um, being anew, I began to appreciate my, my friends and family a lot, more than I had prior to cherishing the love they had all showered uh, upon me with over my life for the, for the duration of my lifetime, I realized that what I had experienced possibly was not experienced by everyone. How many hugs and pats on the back and words of encouragement had I experienced? How many miracles had I witnessed? A black boy from the south side of Chicago being given opportunities to excel and achieve, knowing and believing so many of my culture were not, were not to be as fortunate, even in my own family. How blessed I had been treated to had how blessed I had be had to be in order to be treated so well. To sum it all up, I've been on a journey to appreciate all of my experiences, all of what I had seen and enjoyed, but also what I had survived. For no life exists without peril and pain. No life goes without tears shed and skin torn. Nose broken, jaw broken, and if I put the microphone down by my knees and my ankles, you would hear Rice Krispies and milk. <laughs> Despite, yes, snap, crackle, pop, yes. Despite any pain, loss, or disappointment I had experienced over the course of my life, I believe knowing of God's existence and presence allowed me to actually be more rational. For some, believing in an almighty power is irrational or super fantastic. But for me, it has allowed me to see what the world is in all of its facets. Sad, exciting, painful, dangerous, loving, and extremely mundane. Think about this. Most of our waking moments are uneventful. We brush our teeth every day. We make a sandwich of some kind. We sit at a desk at school or at work. We watch TV. We look at our emails. And every now and then, we help somebody do something real simple like put on a shirt. None of that is exciting or causes a rise in your heart rate. Most of us aren't professional athletes performing in front of millions or ER nurses in a major city or construction workers who stand on a scaffold. What we do daily for the most part is quite manageable. My rationale gave me the opportunity to find peace and beauty in all things, especially sandwiches. <laughs> From that time in my early 20s, I began to notice little beautiful things all around me. 
a father lovingly holding their children's hands on the street, hardened athletes consoling each other in difficult moments, the cheerful sounds of birds, even the pleasant hum of a train somewhere in the distance. And then there are the extremely beautiful moments we all have that leave scars or beauty marks perhaps on the soul. I was once on a truck in southeast Iowa visiting family. I was with Uncle Jimmy, a farmer, and we were driving to his mother's house about a mile and a half down the road. We were on a gravel road and, surrounded, and we were surrounded by farmland. For miles in any direction, all you saw was earth in its natural splendor. On this short trip, Jimmy noticed out in the middle of a green pasture to the west a very large black bull. The property we were driving by was Jimmy's, about 300 acres worth, and all of his livestock was on the, was on the other side of a fence about half a mile away, so he knew it wasn't his. I think that's the Johnson's bull, he said, although I'm uncertain about the name of the family. And he got out of his truck. With the sun beginning to set directly in the location we were looking, Uncle Jimmy opened a gate to a barbed wire fence and started to trot towards the bull, running and yelling and waving his hands. <laughs> the animal gets startled, then turns away and runs in the direction towards some tall timber to the north, possibly where it had wandered out from. And that wasn't the most amazing part. With the sun, a stunning orange, setting directly at where we were looking, you didn't have to squint at the sun. Through the trees came three people on horseback, straight out of a Lonesome Dove movie. <laughs> Jimmy waved at the, white, the riders, the riders waved back at him, and the bull trotted right past them into the timber as they all disappeared. Jimmy then walked back through the pasture, opened the gate, closed it, got into the car, and we proceeded to drive. My jaw, the entire drive back to his mother's house, was right around here in the middle of my chest. At the time watching him chase a bull, I watched a human chase a bull, that was arguably at the time the most beautiful moment I had ever experienced. And it was my rationale, my understanding of God's love, my knowing that the world, what the world was, with all of its flaws, corruptions, and blemishes, that allowed me to experience such amazement. If I could give you time, could you imagine a moment in your life? If not several, you were fortunate enough to be part of something that was awe-inspiring, if not completely spiritual, and maybe even heart-rending. Could you not be moved emotionally and appreciatively at those thoughts where perhaps it would be difficult for you to speak at the moment? Or maybe, you'd be so moved that you want to tell every single person about that moment in your life, perhaps where it might have left a mark on your soul. I know the world is harsh, and evidence of that harshness is ever-present. When we watch the news, the first seven segments usually supply these subjects, not necessarily in this order. Car accidents, political scandal or intrigue, fire, death, war, governmental discord, illness. If we spend too much time on the internet, we can find so many examples of the world's pain just by listening to all the doomsayers, skeptics, and bullies, and or watching the videos they promote. And then there are the numerous historical examples of leaders and important people, many of whom being devoutly religious, causing the greatest atrocities, war, slavery, prejudice. So much is their impact that many of those who would possibly seek God's love and hope would abstain because the examples displayed by those we are supposed to follow, those that are supposed to show us God's love and mercy, have done so many terrible things. Back in 2008, 
I had the pleasure of attending the presidential inauguration in Washington, D.C. And as I was walking the street enjoying the city and the mood, there was a religious group standing by the road trying to get people to come over to them and hear God's word. About, and they were trying to, get to, to help folks figure out you know, what God's path was and purpose would be for them. The problem I had with this group, as did many others, was the gigantic sign they held aloft behind them that said, you're going to hell, in big, bold letters and in all caps. Also, there was one guy with a bullhorn shouting and pointing directly at people saying the same thing. It took much strength for me not to go over there and yank the bullhorn from his hand and tell him that they were the example of why, people, why many people avoid religion and pursuit of God as intolerance and labeling often appear within the verbiage of devout Christians and others. We must be careful in our relations so that we may provide them opportunities to be and feel new in God's love so that they may know of his wonder and his fulfillment. All of this pain I have witnessed and learned about and will continue to do so because we are not perfect as people and our individual experiences will shape how we view the world. But I will say there is so much evidence of love and beauty and grace and opportunity and hope in everything, everywhere, all at once. See what I did there? Yeah. See, that was a movie reference? Okay. <laughs> I think it is important for each of us to become anew, not just in baptism, but also in how we see our own lives and the world as it is. Can we seek out the beauty presented to us and appreciate what we have despite our own shortcomings and those of the world? Life is what we have, for however long we have it. And to go through our days loving and listening, feeling and dreaming, seeing and appreciating is the best formula for me to understand God's love and purpose for my life and possibly for all those who believe in him. Try your best to appreciate all there is, for all there is is all we have.